Welcome to Slice of Life. Because a bite was not enough, you've listened to Brenda's Bites for years, and now Brenda is expanding her show to include lifestyle happenings from around the region. Now here's your host, Brenda Alacy. Well, good morning, everybody, on this cold but sunny January morning at Brenda Alacy, indeed, carving out another slice of life. And uh, we have a special guest for the entire show. Jessica Pirro will join us in just a moment. Jessica is the CEO of Crisis Services, uh, an invaluable company here in Western New York, an agency that helps so many people uh, 24-7. You talk about uh, our doors never close. Well, it's Crisis Services. And there's certainly a lot of challenges we all face living in a pandemic and in a world with a lot of political strife. And we'll get into that in just a moment. Your calls are welcome. If you have some things on your mind, you need to know about crisis services, the services that they offer, the ability to call them at any time, any day uh, is important as well. And uh, everybody needs some help from time to time. And it's great to know that there's a, a friendly and uh, knowledgeable voice at the other end of that line. So we'll talk about that. And we welcome your calls. If you want to talk to the chief herself, she's with us. Just call us at 716-803-1520. And it's a pleasure to welcome Jessica Pirro to Slice of Life once again. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning, Brenda. Thank you for having me. Always great to have you on board, and I appreciate you taking time on a Saturday morning to join Slice of Life, and I'm sure life is busy at Crisis Services, Jessica. Uh, We haven't talked in a little while, but we certainly talked during uh, the beginning of the pandemic, and are you uh, hearing a lot of people still uh, having difficulty or just needing a, a helping hand because of the pandemic? Yes, I think what, you know, we definitely have seen the different phases of need um, that this pandemic has brought. I think early on, just we all collectively sat in a lot of space of unknown and uncertainty and just not knowing and understanding what the coronavirus was. I think as we continued to learn more and knew what to do a little bit better to protect ourselves and our families, um, you know, then there was the next waves of, you know, what we could do, what we can't do. And, and, and now I think we're in a space of we know that this is here. We know that there's work being done to address the pandemic. Um, you know, the vaccine starting to come out is another, another phase of emotion and, and feeling and thought. Um, so I think, you know, we continue to see need because this isn't something that was a very short-term experience. It's long-term and how it's affecting us emotionally is something that we're going to have to manage for a period of time, even once things settle in, once this becomes less of a threat. Um, that feeling of what we've all experienced in addition to the pandemic this year, as you said, with political uh, unrest, with um, social injustices, all that this year has brought, we really are going to start to feel that differently and be able to think of it differently um, once we have some of these other threats of our health and well-being reduced. So we see different phases of need that come in, and it depends on the day, I think, for all of us, you know, depending on (laughs) what we're dealing with, what our family is dealing with, you know, there's the good and the bad, and I think that's going to only continue for a period of time. And and that's why, you know, our organization just wants our community to know that we're here and they're, you know, a phone call away for just help and support through that, you know, you know, not to suffer through this alone. And that and that's why, you know, we really want to make sure our community knows that we're here. 
And, and you have so many resources at our fingertips, uh, quite literally, Jessica, with uh, your website, crisisservices.org. So we talk about how you help. Let's, let's delve into some of the services that you do offer at your agency, which, by the way, has been around for 51 years, if I'm not mistaken, right? Right. Yeah. 1968. So we're hitting it 52. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, you have a lot of different components under the umbrella of crisis services. Uh, What specifically can people garner from your agency and how does it all work if somebody does feel the need to to reach out for help? Well, I think it's important to know that um, we are a very comprehensive crisis center for our uh, community. And, And really what that means is that with one phone call to crisis services, there's depending on the need, there's different different levels of care and intervention that can be provided. Um, our hotline counselors do an extensive amount of work with community members that call in, either themselves if they're struggling, if it's a loved one or a friend or family member, an employer, a neighbor um, who are concerned about somebody. And our counselors can kind of walk through what the options are in addition to dealing with an immediate crisis with somebody on the line. Um, So it could be anywhere from, you know, helping somebody navigate a difficult conversation with a friend or a family member. It could be, you know, just what's the best connection for a therapist or other services that they might need, especially during this time of the pandemic, other types of financial supports, you know, housing issues, other things that are definitely the, you know, the aftermath of this pandemic. Those are things that we can help connect people to services. But I think one of the the core pieces of who we are and what we do is really intervening in a crisis. And that can be, like I mentioned, the hotline counselors are amazing um, professionals that with extensive experience that can really walk through the crisis, really come up with a plan of maybe how to manage how you're feeling, what to do. But if somebody is presenting to us with, you know, a higher level of concern of a mental health crisis, maybe there's thoughts of suicide, then, you know, we have our other layers of response services um, in the organization, including our mobile outreach teams that go out into the community. And even throughout this whole pandemic, that those teams have never stopped. Um, they go out with, you know, they have PPE that they have to wear, of course, for their protection and the protection of those that we serve. Um, but to be able to see somebody face-to-face have that conversation, see if we can keep them safely in the community with additional supports or safety planning um, or connections to friends or family if they're having, you know, challenges there um, and really help get them stabilized in their homes and their space that, you know, continues to keep them safe. If they can't do that, then we have the ability to connect them to services. We have the ability, if necessary, to take them to the hospital for further uh, mental health evaluation and then help to make sure that regardless if you know they have to go to the hospital or not that we then connect them to some follow-up care and services um, to make sure that they get the help that they need in addition to the mental health side we also are the designated rape crisis center and a domestic violence service provider. So throughout this whole experience, as well with the pandemic, we have seen those needs around domestic violence specifically um, increase a bit for resources and support and services. So in addition to our hotline counselors who are specialty trained in those areas, we also have staff that do hospital response um, in all of the emergency rooms if a victim of domestic or sexual violence presents 
but we also have a lot of different relationships in the community with our law enforcement agencies, our college campuses, for example, um, and really other providers that will refer over to our advocate team at Crisis Services to help somebody who might be dealing with domestic sexual violence, um, as well as elder abuse issues. There are so many things that you do, and, and uh, there, there's so much help available. I'm really struck, by uh, Jessica, by the fact that your team still has continued to go out during the pandemic. Uh, I think it's just remarkable that you offer this service. And I would imagine that there are some pretty volatile situations that they walk into. Do you partner with law enforcement on a regular basis for their protection? We, we do, and it, it really depends on the situation where law enforcement might need to be involved. And I think this year also brought us a lot of reflection um, about law enforcement involvement on mental health calls with some of the, you know, obviously social unrest, but also some other situations that occur here in our own community. So when we, when we look at the use of law enforcement, um, we really uh, evaluate uh, the need for, for police presence, but also the protection piece, like you mentioned. So there are times where if there's a safety concern, um, there might be, um, you know, potential weapons that might be in the home um, or the person, you know, might be making those threats to others. Um, we will have to have law enforcement present, and their law enforcement is also trained in responding to these calls with us. Um, so it really becomes a team um, when responding to those cases, um, and our law enforcement partners are critical for our teams um, when there are those safety risks because that's you know that's what they're there for to help with that protection. Um, so we do work with them pretty much, you know, on a regular basis throughout the county, you know, with all the different police departments that we do have in our community. And we really do have a team approach in how we manage the case that we're going out on um, and how we then are going to manage that case to assure that, um, you know, that the person is um, not agitated by the additional presence of all of us being there, um, but also being able to make sure everyone remains safe. And we depend significantly on our law enforcement partners for that support. Yeah, it's really a collaborative effort, no doubt. Uh, and you mentioned about violence, too. You know, you hear a lot about the effects of people being around each other, families being kind of cooped up together and the ability to uh, do things that we just took for granted, uh, you know, a year ago, for instance, not there. You can't just go out to a restaurant or you can't just go to school or you can't just go to a, you know, a community event. It's so different. It's been a big deal to go to a Bills game, for goodness sake. So life has been turned upside down for everybody. But I know that uh, I've read many reports, Jessica, about violence uh, increasing, especially domestic violence. I think that many homes have just become a pressure cooker. So if somebody is in that position, would your main number be the first number they should call, the 834-3131 number? Yes. Yeah, that's the first, you know, really the access point into the organization for um, mental health, domestic violence, sexual violence. Yes. And they can, um, you know, make that call and then our counselors in our either on the hotline or that then connect to our advocate department can help provide that support. And, you know, I think you're, you know, when we think about what we've seen with domestic violence this past year, it's, it's really that isolation. You know, when you look at the issues of domestic violence and the power and control that comes with um, the situation, when you have, you don't have those outlets like going to work or being able to go over to a house, you know, a family member's house, 
um, it just continued to increase that isolation for that victim. So, um, you know, we definitely encourage people too. if you know a loved one is going through, you know, a challenging relationship to maybe come up with a plan with them of checking in and seeing how to help them um, get the supports that they need because they don't necessarily have those other outlets that they would have had before um, to make those calls without the perpetrator of their violence just in the other room um, because they're in this, you know, can't leave the home or what, you know, because of the pandemic. Right. I mean, it's so surreal, Jessica, even after all this time to think that we're living in a pandemic <laughs> and yeah, in these yeah. these situations, you know, it's been it's just a really unusual time, to say the least. On top of that, you have a presidential election. There was violence, unprecedented violence on January 6th at the nation's capital. That was, I'll speak for myself, it was extremely disturbing to watch and see. And I know many people felt that way, too. You just couldn't believe what was unfolding in front of your eyes, uh, you know, in the people's house. So uh, there are a lot of things that we can't control with the pandemic, uh, but then there's this type of unusual activity in D.C. that happened and the threat of violence throughout the country. And even though, you know, Joe Biden is now the president, I don't think that this stuff just goes away. So do you find that a lot of uh, people who call your hotlines are are disturbed about the current events in our country? It's not just that pesky pandemic. It's also what's going on in our world. Yes, because I think, you know, I think it's for those that call. I think it's for my own team, you know, ourselves, sure. the work that we do, I'd say. I think what we see is that you continue to have these external threats that are disturbing your sense of safety and your sense of um, really just empathy and compassion for other people. I think that's an area that we've we've lost, you know, that we really do need to bring back. Um, and I think that, you know, as we headed into the year, and I agree with you, you know, we kind of had a bit of a uh, an exhale and hope that, you know, things were going to settle down and then boom, here we had this situation at the Capitol. And that really did um, rattle uh, people in a, even a different way than what we've already been rattled with this year. So, I think that when you continue to have these external experiences that you're witnessing and also the the exposure over and over again, you know, of these horrific, you know, videos and um, situations that happened at the Capitol, um, you know, that trauma really has an impact in so many ways for people that have never really had a concern or an issue. It's, it's unrattling. But those that we serve every day, those that are living with a mental health condition or are vulnerable in other ways, that continued view that the world is not safe is, you know, only continues to impact their mental health and their well-being. And so, you know, we have a responsibility as a society, as a community, um, to really make sure that we're paying attention to how we can talk through this together. But I also have to say it's really critical for self-care to really pay attention to how much you're exposing yourself to because you're re-traumatizing yourself over and over again when you're watching things over and over again. And that really can have an impact on your mental health. So, um, you know, I think that um, we just keep hoping that (laughs) there's this next, you know, phase that will just calm down for a bit. Um, We're all in this very heightened state for such a long time right now, and that is something we have to pay attention to and think about self-care, think about um, what our continued exposures are for our mental health, 
um, but also know when to reach out and know when to reach in uh, to loved ones and friends that you see may be struggling. And, you know, the number to call is 834-3131, 716-834-3131. Before we take our break, Jessica, um, is it just for the Western New York region that crisis services covers? Or, you know, what if you have a loved one who lives in Pennsylvania or a nearby community? How would that work? Are you able to help them as well? Yeah, so we our hotline is for um, our local area, but if you do have friends or family in other areas, we're able, we have access to all of the crisis center information throughout the country um, that we can help you connect to those hotlines or those services in those local communities. Gotcha. Good to know. Again, the number to reach crisis services is 834-3131. We'll talk about another hotline that the... Uh, the Crisis Services Center uh, offers. It's the 24-hour addiction hotline, and there's even a kids helpline. So, so much available uh, assistance at our at the ready, thanks to the folks at Crisis Services. Much more to come on Slice of Life with Crisis Services CEO Jessica Pirro after this quick timeout. Thanks for tuning in to Slice of Life. Now back to your hostess with the mostess, Brenda Alacy. And good to have you on board this Saturday morning, the uh, Bills weekend, and that's been a bright spot. Jessica Pirro is with us. She is the CEO of Crisis Services, an agency that provides 24-hour hotlines. And Jessica, before the break, I referenced that you have an addiction hotline, too. And uh, I I think that uh, the ability to find comfort somehow, and whether it's alcohol or drugs or any other type of addiction, would perhaps be ratcheted up during these uncertain times. Is that the case? Yes. Um, you know, unfortunately, during the pandemic, and we are, it's starting to slow down a bit, but we definitely saw um, a high increase of uh, fatal uh, drug overdoses here in our own community, um, really bringing us back several years ago when the pandemic or the epidemic around the opioids started. And it's very concerning for all of us to see that. But we also know the impact of the pandemic is what is bringing this on, that, again, isolation, not being around other people, um, and especially for individuals who may be addicted, um, you know, not having those that could readily be available to maybe and provide um, Narcan, for example, that, you know, which is very life-saving um, when, there's a, when there's an overdose. So uh, we have seen that in our community um, increase, and, you know, really what you know, our community who provides this type of addiction services to the community members are really encouraging and friends and family to really check in with those that they know might have a drug issue, a drug addiction, because, um, you know, that's what's going to help maybe save their lives. We, we just see people, again, these numbers were just through the roof, and it was very concerning to see that outcome because of um, you know, the restrictions, limiting people having access to others that potentially would have saved their lives if they were there um, and could have been there. It, you know, it's so heartbreaking to see the obituaries of young people. Uh, you know, I'm one of the few people, I guess, who still reads the paper every day. And I see these. <laughs> I see the, I the picture. Uh, excellent. I'm glad you're with me on that. Uh, and, you know, it, and then you see these young people. Many times there's a photo and it's like, oh, my God. And then you see, you know, who yeah. the donations are made to. And it's obvious what happened. And there is help, though. Right, Jessica? There is a, a 24-hour addiction hotline through crisis services. The number is 831-7007. 
Uh, and so if anybody is having any sort of crisis related to an addiction, that's what they should do, right? Call that number? Yes, because we really want to help people um, navigate what the next steps can be, what treatment options they have. But also, you know, we do get a, a lot of calls from family members of just how to talk with their loved one or just how to really talk about how they're doing. You know, any of the issues we deal with affects the entire family in some capacity. So we really also encourage friends, family members, significant others to reach out for that support, you know, as caregivers for somebody who might be living with a mental illness or living with an addiction, um, it's happening to you as well as what's going on for that individual. So we do see um, specifically, too, on the addiction line, um, you know, friends and family members reaching out for that support, too, um, and really helping to navigate that addiction disease with their loved one. I'm so glad you brought that up because there is help, and you even have a kid's helpline. 834-1144, 834-1144. And is that designed for uh, youngsters who are going through a tough time and perhaps want to talk to somebody that's not a family member or even a friend? Yeah, so, you know, we've had that line for a long time, and it really was born out of um, a place for for youth to call um, to just talk through a challenge or a problem. Um, And the line itself, you know, in addition to our youth, is also um, been used by maybe parents just kind of navigating through how to talk to their kids about certain situations as well. But it's really meant for our, you know, our youth to call um, and just have that confidential support um, to talk with somebody, you know, about whatever might be going on for them. We've got about three minutes left in the show, Jessica. And I, I want to talk about the importance of donations to crisis services. You know, you have a staff, you have resources, unlike any other agency, and uh, and it, it costs money to run an operation effectively and efficiently as you do. How can people support your agency, and how are you funded in general? Well, thank you for, for allowing me this, this moment to talk about this. I think what's important to know about crisis services is we are a private nonprofit agency. We're not a governmental agency. Um, you know, we, we do receive various contracts and funding sources that connect to either the local state and some federal dollars. But those are very limited. And, um, you know, our fundraising really makes up a a chunk of our budget. So we do need our community's investment into our crisis first responders so we can be there 24-7 and keep our mission promise to the community. I mean, we haven't closed our doors in 52 years. And, you know, we are determined to make sure it doesn't happen, regardless of what's happening around us right now. Um, But we've had some challenges, especially this this past year. But we know how the New York State budget is very challenged, where there's a lot of unknowns uh, with funding. Um, A lot of our funders have put holds on our our payments, which then has a ripple effect in being able to do what we need to do. So our investment from the community and donations to crisis services is critical, Um, you know, and we've seen that support this year. And we we do want to thank our community because we have seen a a little bit of an uptick with some new donors to the agency who've learned more about what we do and all that we do. Um, And that has been really helpful. But going into this year, we know there's challenges ahead um, because there's still a lot of just unknown answers that we're getting as, um, you know, from our funders 
Um, and so we just we know we need community support. So, you know, there's uh, through our website, uh, crisisservices.org, there's the ability to donate right through the website. Um, and, you know, we do encourage people to make a consideration um, to donate to crisis services. And I will also say, you know, um, if you follow us on our social media platforms, we also are trying to be creative of how to engage people into some fundraising efforts this year. So we'll have a couple new events that we're doing virtually, which is our new way of, <laughs> of doing things these days. Right. Um, and we, we've got some, some neat stuff coming up um, to do some fun and fun and fundraising, as you will, uh, for uh, yes. crisis services. Yes, it's a it's a service that deserves a donation. If you can help at all, go to the website crisisservices.org. Unfortunately, our time is up. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. I wish you continued success, and thanks for everything you do. Thank you, Brenda. And go Bills. Go Bills. They don't put a wrap on this edition of Slice of Life. Thanks for tuning in. We'll carve out another one next Saturday at 9 a.m. Thanks for listening. Brenda will be back next Slice of Life on ESPN 1520.